From the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here's your host, Jim Manfredonia. Very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you as we come together. The Lord allows us every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, live at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm praying you're having a blessed, happy, and holy day, a safe day, and a peaceful day in the midst of all this turmoil. We see things starting to lock down again, but you know... We said it last spring, we'll say it again, uh, for as much as everything may be shutting down and, and uh, getting locked up, we're here. They can't lock us up. Well, maybe they can physically if they want to come in here and drag me away. I hope one day they take me out of here in shackles. That That's like a prayer of mine, <laughs> that, that we are so doing battle with evil that they come in here and try to drag me out of here. They probably can, but anyway. And that's what we're going to talk about that today. You know, Cheryl and I were talking at breakfast this morning uh, in our breakfast conversation. We were just talking about the state of things in the world and in our country especially. And I said, I just sense such a, a deep, I have, a, I have a, such a deep sense of evil in all of this. Just evil all over the place. And, and um, so I thought what I would do today, since it is Catechism Day, we are going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and go to the section on the fall, and uh, talk about the fall of, of uh, man, and then of course the, uh, Satan and, and the angels being a third of the angels being cast out of heaven because Satan would not serve. And then, uh, so that's our catechism segment, uh, second half of the program. But um, first part after our prayer, I found from 1986, August 13th, 1986, from St. Pope John Paul II, when he was our Holy Father, a discourse on the fall of the angels and the presence of evil and Satan in the world. And just, we can't deny it. You know, and I'm not, you don't want to harp on this, but we have to know our enemy in order to do battle. So I just see an enormous evil presence in all of this and where we are, even with the virus. I'm not saying the virus is a result of Satan, but I'm just saying that it's being used. The virus is being used in evil ways. Anyway, we'll talk about it. Let's pray first. So I'm happy you're here. I hope I didn't scare you away. <laughs> Stay where you are. Don't go away. But as I said, you know, as you hear more and more about things being locked down again and shut down again, I know where we live over across the river here in Pennsylvania, and uh, our state is uh, being uh, little by little shut down, I think, here in New Jersey, you know, and, and uh, it hasn't yet affected the churches, but, you know, the way things are going, I don't know. I don't have any inside scoop, but uh, the way things are going, you just don't know. So, but I promise you this, we will be here for you, and that's, you know, that's so important that we're here. Uh, you know, they can't lock our doors here because there's n no threat. There's no, no well, there is a threat to evil, but no threat uh, to your, your health or safety just by listening, although they may one day determine that. I don't know. Anyway, let's pray. I'm kind of rambling here. I just, I just uh, 
it's just been a, you know, we're just all just, I think we're all just pretty fed up with all this stuff, you know. But we'll pray. And, of course, we're praying for our country, and we're still praying the prayer that we've been praying since the summer uh, that was prayed originally at the dedication of the uh, National Shrine Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., at its dedication back in 1959. And we're praying for our country. Got to keep praying. And praying for you and all of your intentions, my friends, as always. It gives uh, me a great joy to be able to pray with you and for you. So we include those intentions. And uh, as I said, you know, when I'm here in the morning and I, I, I pray morning prayer before I leave, uh, pray evening prayer to include you and your intentions in those prayers. So let's begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, our Father in heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, in union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our president and on all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of our nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, on all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land, we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from every harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. And our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and also the beautiful ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother, Holy Father asks us to pray these prayers every day to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And we've also included in that intention to protect our church from the attacks of the devil and our country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, as always, my friends, I thank you for praying together and uh, for joining me here during this hour uh, every uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4 o'clock. Of course, Friday, uh, tomorrow at 4 o'clock on Fridays, Cheryl joins me, and we bring you two hours of Friday Live. 
And um, now tomorrow we'll be here, of course, next Friday, because it's uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, traditionally, we start our uh, Christmas music during those two hours. So next Friday after Thanksgiving, you know, when I was growing up, it was always you didn't play any Christmas music in the house until the end of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because Santa Claus came at the end of the parade. Now, I don't know, I don't even know what they're doing this year for a parade. <laughs> this year is going to be so, so messed up. I don't know. It's, it, I guess that's weighing on my heart, too, you know? It's just, it just, it's just, and we're, you know, who knows what they're going to do. Did you, did you see that Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center? <laughs> if that's not the, the epitome of 2020, uh, that poor tree, uh, it was of course they haven't decorated it yet, but they were they were putting it up, and branches are missing. It's it looks it looks like a large Charlie Brown tree, you know, a sixty foot Charlie, however big the tree is. Charlie, it just it, but it, it it certainly exemplifies <laughs> this year, twenty twenty. The Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center is a mess, and I thought I I did I thought I read that uh, the mayor of New York wasn't even going to let them put it up, but I <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but you know, um, so anyway, we're going to brighten your day starting next Friday, uh, the day after Thanksgiving at four o'clock, we'll bring you two hours of Christmas music. And then we'll, that Sunday following, of course, is the, uh, uh, the first Sunday in Advent. So we'll start our Christmas music. And of course, we'll only play here, as you know, uh, we only play songs that sing and play of the true meaning of Christmas. Uh, our little catchphrase over the years has been "Grandma is safe on our station. She won't get run over by a ranger because we don't play that song. <laughs> Only the songs that sing of the birth of Christ, because that's what it's all about, Charlie Brown. That's that's, that's why we play. So that's going to start happening. But of course, uh, the first week in December, December second, third, and fourth. That's at the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in the first week of December, the second uh, December second, third, and fourth. We will have our 2020 Radiothon where we're going to come to you and ask you, please, to support us financially. This is the biggest fundraising event of the year for us. We didn't have it in the spring, as you know. Uh, for obvious reasons, the pandemic was at its peak and we didn't want to uh, burden anybody with other things. So we just kind of postponed it and we kept postponing it. Uh, but we have to have it. Uh, because uh, we count on that uh, fundraising event. As I said, it's our largest, really our only fund major fundraising event all year to support our work. And in the years past, it has uh, brought us uh, 40 to 45% of our annual operating budget in those three days, and we do need it, and we need you. So please spread the word. Thanks to some of the parishes, by the way. I'm understanding from some of our uh, friends out there in the field that uh, some of the parishes are putting in your your bulletin, however you distribute that electronically, uh, a promotion of, for our Radiothon. So thank you for that. We really, really appreciate that. Um, and uh, tomorrow uh, we're going to be mailing our annual newsletter. Our little Grazia newsletter goes out tomorrow. So you should be receiving that next week um, with a reminder in there about the Radiothon and other information about the apostolate over the course of this year, uh, just to kind of share with you, you know, what God is doing. It's all God. We're just here. We're just instruments. We're just the 
the means, uh, the, the hollow vessel through which the Holy Spirit works. Um, but so many of you have shared with us uh, your gratitude for this station being here, especially during the, 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 the uh, worst parts of the pandemic when everything was shut down. You couldn't even get into your church. Uh, but we, you know, we added extra masses in our schedule. We put the rosary back on uh, additional times. We have the chaplet on at 3 o'clock, plus all the other programs, so that we, we are for you a lifeline. You know, and our image this year for our Radiothon is a lighthouse that through all the darkness of, of, of 2020, all the trials and storms of 2020, we've been here for you with that light guiding you into the safe harbor of our church and our faith. And we want to keep doing that. 2020, I think, is going to be a very trying year. You know, for as, as bad as this year has been, I'm not going to say it's, it, it, 2020, 2021 is going to be worse. But uh, I don't know. It's not, <laughs> not looking too promising at this point from what you're hearing and reading. Uh, there's just so much. And as I said, we're going to get to this in a second. There's so much. There just seems to be so much evil in the world around and manifesting itself in so many ways. We know that God's in control. We know the end of the story. We know that Satan loses. But in the meantime, what we're seeing, you know, if, if what we're hearing about the election and, and the, the uh, accusations of, uh, of fraud and things that are out there, if, if what they're saying is true, there is awful evil at work in all of this. You know, and we just got to pray it away and, and protect ourselves spiritually. That's the most important thing. So we have to acknowledge and and, uh, and admit that Satan is very real and very active, and there is a, a war being uh, waged, and uh, spiritual warfare is no joke. So we're going to go to John Paul from a teaching from 1986 on uh, evil, on the devil, and then our catechism section next uh, after the break, second half of the program, will be from the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the fall just to kind of refresh our memory about who our enemy is. And we have to know our enemy in order to do battle. But as I said, mark your calendar, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, our Radiothon. We count on you. Bruce will be here with me behind the mic, as will Cheryl occasionally. Uh, It's a little different this year because we don't have the gathering here in our building of all of our volunteers because of the virus situation. But they will be taking your calls uh, remotely. We've worked out a, a way they can do that, and so we're just going to ask you, please, right now, start praying. It's two weeks from right now. Two weeks from yesterday, it will begin December second, and then the third and the fourth. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in the first week in December. And uh, we need you. And just pray that people open their hearts and are generous, are generous, because we want to be here in 2021. We have to be here in 2021 and beyond. And there's so much work we have to do to bring the light of Christ to as many people as possible, to dispel the darkness uh, of the evil one's dastardly deeds in the world. Okay, let's do this. We're going to go to John Paul II. This is from August 13th, 1986, at one of his general audiences on the devil. And this is what John Paul taught. Satan wishes to destroy life lived in accordance with the truth, life in the fullness of good, the supernatural life of grace and love. 
John Paul said, as the result of the sin of our first parents, this fallen angel has acquired dominion over man to a certain extent. This is the doctrine that has been constantly professed and proclaimed by the church in which the Council of Trent confirmed in its treatise on original sin. So just this first this first sentence, Satan wishes to destroy all that is good, all, all, that, all that is holy. He wants to destroy it. He wants to destroy life lived in accordance with the truth. You know, we, we know that Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies. And deception is all around us presently. You know, things that we hear we can't believe. We, we we're, we're not told the truth. Uh, truth is hidden. Truth, truth, the truth is obscured. The, the truth is twisted. And life in the fullness of good, the supernatural life of grace and love, Satan wants to destroy it. John Paul said in sacred scripture, we find various indications of this influence on man and on the dispositions of his spirit and of his body. In the Bible, Satan is called the prince of this world and even the God of this world from 2 Corinthians. John Paul said, according to sacred scripture and especially the New Testament, the dominion and the influence of Satan and of the other evil spirits embraces the world. The action of Satan consists primarily in tempting men to evil by influencing their imaginations and higher faculties to turn them away from the law of God. I mean, these are the temptations that come our way the minute we are of the age of reason and for the rest of our life, especially if we're trying to live a good, holy life. Satan will do everything he possibly can to distract us, to lure us away from that, to uh, offer us false promises of better things, and, and, and tries to twist uh, the truth in a way that, that, uh, that deceives us. John Paul said, It is possible that in certain cases the evil spirit goes so far as to exercise his influence not on material, uh, not only on material things, but even on man's body, so that one can speak of diabolical possession. It's not always easy to discern the prenatural factor operative in these cases, and the church does uh, not lightly support the tendency to attribute many things to the direct action of the devil. But in principle. It cannot be denied that Satan can go to this extreme manifestation of his superiority in his will to harm and to lead to evil. You know, we've had on recently on our Friday program some guests that have directly um, been involved in exorcisms. We had the exorcist on with us a few weeks ago, and, and uh, I can't think of their names, and the, the, the woman who um, was involved in, in uh, exorcisms. I mean, this is real, but as John Paul said, um, the church doesn't take it lightly, um, and it can't be denied that Satan can go to this extreme manifestation. It's real. 
And, and John Paul said, to conclude, we must add that the impressive words of the Apostle John, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. That's from 1 John 5. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Allude also to the presence of Satan in the history of humanity, a presence which becomes all the more acute when man and society depart from God. You know, we look back on, on the history of the world, and we know that there are historical figures uh, who have done very, very evil things. You know, dictators and, 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 and rulers of countries and, and just individual, you know, uh, in, who, individuals who have done these evil things under the influence of Satan. Have to be. You know, you read stories even. I was just reading a, a newspaper account of a, a mother who, who killed her two children. How can a mother kill her children? We, whether, I mean, the, the, the whole abortion issue deals directly with that. How, how can someone do that? How can we kill each other? Mother, Mother Saint Mother Teresa said that if we, if a mother can kill her own child, what's to stop us from killing each other? But see, this is the influence of evil in the world. John Paul said, "This fall, which which has the character of the rejection of God, with the constant, a constant, a consequent state of damnation, consists in free choice of those created spirits who have radically and irrevocably rejected God and His kingdom, usurping His sovereign rights and attempting to subvert the economy of salvation and the very order of the entire universe." We find a reflection of this attitude in the words addressed by the tempter to our first parents when Satan said to Adam and Eve, you will become like God or like gods. John Paul said, thus the evil spirit tries to transplant into man the attitude of rivalry, insubordination, and opposition to God, which has, as it were, become the motivation of all his existence. When by the act of his own free will he rejected the truth that he knew about God, Satan became the cosmic liar and the father of lies. And for this reason, he lives in radical and irreversible denial of God and seeks to impose on creation, on the other beings created in the image of God, and in particular on people, his own tragic lie about the good that God that is God. In the book of Genesis, we find a precise description of this lie and falsification of the truth about God, which Satan, under the form of a serpent, tries to transmit to the first representatives of the human race. God is jealous of his own prerogatives and therefore wants to impose limitations on man. Satan invites the man to free himself from the imposition of this yoke by making himself like God. That's the temptation, right? John Paul said on this condition of existential falsehood, Satan, according to St. John, also becomes a murderer, that is, one who destroys the supernatural life which God has made to dwell from the beginning in him and in the creatures made in the likeness of God. The other pure spirit and men, the influence of the evil spirit, can conceal itself in a more profound and effective way. It is in his interest to make himself unknown, 
Satan has the skill in the world to induce people to deny his existence in the name of rationalism and of every other system of thought which seeks all possible means to avoid recognizing his activity. This does not, however, signify the elimination of man's free will and responsibility, and even less the frustration of the saving action of Christ. You know, Satan would love us to believe that either he doesn't exist at all, it's just a, a scare tactic the church came up with in the Middle Ages or whenever to, to frighten people into obeying the church and, and Christ, or the devil, at the very least, would love us to think that he's a, a playful little uh, imp in a, in a red suit with horns and a tail and a pitchfork who just kind of teases us a little bit every now and then. But the manifestation of evil that we see, just look around, watch the news, or we've seen uh, throughout the history of the world, shows us that evil is very real and there is uh, the reality of Satan and the fallen angels, those demons um, that would not obey God and, and were thrust out of heaven. And they want nothing more than to drag us down into their evil ways and into the pits of hell for all eternity. So when people deny the existence of Satan or pretend that uh, he doesn't exist or would try to convince us he doesn't exist and that it's a figment of someone's uh, imagination, he'd love us to think that. John Paul said the Christian appealing to the Father and the Spirit of, of Jesus and invoking the kingdom cries with the power of faith. Let us not succumb to temptation. Free us from evil. Free us from the evil one. O Lord, let us not fall into the infidelity to which we are seduced by the one who has been unfaithful from the beginning. And John Paul said, For in spite of all the witnesses of creation and the salvific economy inherent in it, the spirit of darkness is capable of showing God as an enemy of his own creature and in the first place as an enemy of man as a source of danger and threat to man. In this way, Satan manages to sow in man's soul the seed of opposition to the one who, from the beginning, would be considered as man's enemy and not as father. Man is challenged to become the adversary of God. Well, you see that around today. You know, we, we talk about the secularization of our of, of our uh, uh, society, especially in, in the West, where we're doing just that. We're, we're being taught to believe that God is our enemy and not our Father, that the restrictions of uh, not allowing us to do what we want to do, you know, and, and, and of course... We know that it's the truth of the gospel that makes us free. It doesn't bind us. It sets us free from the, uh, the ways of, of evil and sin. And John Paul said the analysis of sin in its original dimension indicates that through the influence of the father of lies throughout the history of humanity, there will be a constant pressure on man to reject God, even to the point 
of hating him. And St. Augustine once said, love of self to the point of contempt for God. And that's, you know, uh, that's how we put it. Man will be inclined to see in God primarily a limitation of himself and not the source of his own freedom and the fullness of good. We see this confirmed in the modern age when atheistic ideologies seek to root out religion on the grounds that religion causes the radical alienation of man, as if man were uh, dispossessed of his own humanity when accepting the idea of God, he attributes to God what belongs to man and exclusively exclusively to man. Hence a process of thought and historico-sociological practice in which the rejection of God has reached the point of declaring his death Anyway, there was a headline, uh, I think it was Time Magazine, back in maybe 1969, the end of the 60s, God is dead. And, you know, man, man is killing God. We know, of course, that's impossible. But Holy Father uh, said this is an absurdity in both concept and expression, but the ideology of the death of God is more a threat to man, as the Second Vatican Council indicates when it analyzes the question of the independence of earthly affairs and rights, for without the creator, the creature would disappear. When God is forgotten, the creature itself grows unintelligible. The ideology of the death of God easily demonstrates in its effects that on the uh, theoretical and practical levels, it is the ideology of the death of man. So this whole idea, my brothers and sisters, that John Paul is teaching about here is that Obviously, the devil is real, and from the very beginning, he has tempted us to believe that we can reject God. God is jealous of us and and all these other lies that the father of lies throws at us. So that's the first part, a teaching from John Paul. We come back from break. We're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church on what the church teaches about the fall. So stay where you are. There is more to come. St. Paul Street Evangelization supports hundreds of teams of evangelists sharing the good news. But did you know that some of these teams are public prayer stations? Set up a sign on the sidewalk and offer prayer and encouragement to those you encounter. Everyone needs prayer. Try this new method of witnessing to Jesus. Contact St. Paul Street Evangelization to get started at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go 
Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. We need to pray for the gift of knowledge, not just knowledge of our faults, but knowledge of God. Do you know God? Or is he just somebody that you go to when you're in trouble? And this gift of knowledge is a certain amount of <coughs> detachment. Oh, we don't want to hear about that, do you? We, we're attached to everything, little things, silly things, chairs. Don't sit in my chair. Why? Because it just fits me. <laughs> it doesn't fit you. You're too fat. <laughs> well, if you ever said that to somebody, you're attached to what? A chair. You can be attached to God, and you can love everybody. You can love your children and love your parents and love even your enemies. But attachments take the soul out of your heart. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we've got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. From Ambler to Avon by the Sea, Burlington to Bradley Beach, from Yardley to Yardville, Bryn Athen to Brielle, Nishanic Station to Normandy Beach, Princeton to Pendell, proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back on this lovely November 19th, 2020. Warmed up a little bit, uh, not as cold as yesterday, but still November-ish. So I uh, hope you're staying uh, safe and healthy. Uh, I was talking to some people this morning, uh, two different individuals, and they both said at different times to me, they said they know more people who have COVID now than they did the first wave. Like when they first came, they didn't know anybody. Now all of a sudden they know a few people who have it. And I, you hear about all the spikes going on out there. And um, I'm just a little, a little curious, a little curious because the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, said that flu cases right now are minimal, but COVID is spiking. I don't know why that would be. 
people are, and they said, well, the flu cases uh, have dropped off because people are wearing masks and are socially distancing and washing their hands and following all these guidelines. Well, then why isn't COVID? It doesn't, see, this is the kind of thing that bothers me. I'm not, I don't know. It just seems, it just seems, you know, like there's some things that are happening that uh, maybe I'm just in my suspicious mind, as Elvis would say. I don't know. But, you know, there's a lot of evil out there, so you just don't know what's, what, what's really happening sometimes. I just hope you're staying well and safe. But I think, you know, we all are ready to take this year and say, okay, <laughs> let's move on and hope things get better. Now with the vaccines coming out, you know, hopefully things will get better. Um, but as I said, you know, you can always count on us being here as long as we have your prayers and your support. That's how we are here, through your generosity. So again, my friends, just remind you, in case you're just joining me today, please mark your calendars December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th for our Radiothon. It's our major fundraiser of the year. We are counting on it, uh, those three days, to make it the best Radiothon yet. Um, I believe last year we raised $166,000. I think that was the the final amount after three days, which was the best Radiothon ever. We'd like to do better than that this year, uh, especially in December, you know, as we close out the year and we have a lot of gaps to fill in uh, because we didn't have the Radiothon in the spring and uh, we didn't have that money to draw upon uh, throughout the course of these many months since. And um, where we normally do have it, we didn't have it. So we find ourselves in, you know, shaky ground right now. So we need this Radiothon to really, really uh, support uh, the work we're doing and have done to, and will do for as long as God allows us to be here. So spread the word. Pray about it, my brothers and sisters. I know there are some of you who, who listen and watch um, who are in particular financial positions that your financial advisors require you to make major charitable gifts before the end of the year. Domestic Church Media is a 501c3 nonprofit uh, charity. So your gift, uh, no matter what amount, is uh, deductible, uh, and you can you know you can write it off. So pray about that. And as as I've shared with you, also we have had um, a number of very generous benefactors who have pledged matching gifts that have totaled up to fifty six thousand dollars. And what that means is the first $56,000 raised in our Radiothon will be matched dollar for dollar. So if you, you know, call us and that we're going to go on the air 7 o'clock on December 2nd, you call us with a gift of $100, it's automatically going to be $200, uh, all the way up to 56000 So that's a great start, but we don't want to stop there. We want to keep, keep the ball rolling and keep moving forward forward. Uh, uh, throughout uh, those three days and into December. So just pray, you know, I, I've said it and I mean it. You know, I've been doing this a long time. 20, this is my 25th year of Catholic radio. The worst part of, of, of my job in this apostolate for 25 years has always been asking for money. I don't like doing it. I know I do it a lot, <laughs> but only because we need it. And I'm going to be held accountable when I stand before the Lord one day as main steward of this apostolate. I can't say, Lord, and I didn't like asking for it, so I didn't. He's going to say, 
You have to ask. So that's why I do what I do. And I wouldn't ask if I didn't need it. Trust me. I, I, I wish I had a, a few million in, in escrow somewhere in, um, uh, um, you know, in, in an account somewhere uh, that we could draw from. But we don't. We, we, we live, as my mom would say, from hand to mouth. So pray about that, my friends, and join us December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th for our Radiothon. Okay, this is from the Catechism, paragraph 391. So early on in the Catechism, the fall of the angels. Just what John Paul was teaching about, but this is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is our teaching. This is the truth. Behind the disobedient choice of our first parents lurks a seductive voice opposed to God, which makes them fall into death out of envy. Scripture and the church's tradition see in this being a fallen angel called Satan or the devil. The church teaches that Satan was at first a good angel made by God. The devil and other demons were indeed created naturally good by God, but they became evil by their own doing. Scripture speaks of a sin these uh, of a sin of these angels. This fall consists in the free choice of these created spirits who radically and irrevocably rejected God and his reign. We find a reflection of that rebellion in the tempter's words to our first parents, you will be like God. The devil has sinned from the beginning. He is a liar and the father of lies. It is the irrevocable character of their choice and not a defect in the infinite divine mercy that makes the angels sin unforgivable. There is no repentance for the angels after their fall, just as there is no repentance for men after death. That's why we need to be do everything possible to be in the state of grace. Scripture witnesses to the disastrous influence of the one Jesus calls a murderer from the beginning who would even try to divert Jesus from the mission of receive, uh, from the, the mission received from his father. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. In its consequences, the gravest of these works was the mendacious seduction that led man to disobey God. So this battle from the beginning, my brothers and sisters, and as the, the Catechism says in, in paragraph 394, the devil even tried to tempt Jesus. We read about that in Scripture. In paragraph 395, it says, The power of Satan is nonetheless not infinite. He is only a creature <clears throat> powerful from the fact that he is pure spirit, but still a creature. He cannot prevent the building up of God's reign. Although Satan may act in the world out of hatred for God and his kingdom in Christ Jesus, and although his action may cause grave injuries of a spiritual nature and indirectly even of a physical nature, to each man and to society the action is permitted by divine providence which with strength and gentleness guides human and cosmic history. It is a great mystery that providence should permit diabolical activity, but we know that in everything God works for good with those who love him. 
So if you've ever thought, you know, how could God allow this evil in the world? God is certainly more powerful than the, than the, than the devil. The catechism answers that question that it's a great mystery that providence should permit diabolical activity. But diabolical activity is very real. You know, it's not something you just see in the movies. It's not something you just read about in a scary book. It's very, very real. And sadly, these days, as especially with our young people, become less and less religious and more and more secularists, they become extreme targets of Satan who wants to rob them of any, any idea of the presence of God. And, and, and as the father of lies will lie to them that the world and all the world has to offer is all they need. And, and, and you and I know that, you know, we're called to be in the world, but not of it. We're called to bring the light of Christ in the world, wherever we are and whomever we meet, but we're not called to be of the world and, and, and look at the things of the world as our gods and as our salvation. But the devil would love people to think that because then they begin to worship the world and forget about worshiping God. So when we say, well, why does God allow that? Then the, the church in our catechism says, it's, it's, this is a great mystery. We, we, we don't, it's a mystery. We, we don't, we can't understand it, but we do know that in everything God works for good with those who love him. So why do bad things happen to good people? The answer that, because it is a mystery, is that God allows it because God who sees all things as present knows that whatever that might be will always bring about a greater good. In paragraph six, uh, 396, our catechism says, God created man in his image and established him in his friendship. A spiritual creature, man can live this friendship only in free submission to God. The prohibition against eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil spells this out. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. The tree of knowledge of good and evil symbolically evokes the insurmountable limits that man, being a creature, must freely recognize and respect with trust. Man is dependent on his creator and subject to the laws of creation and to the moral norms that govern the use of freedom. But you see, we look at our culture today... And you see the abuse of that freedom, especially when there, there are no limits to what we think we can do in this world. You know, the, the, uh, we are subject. First of, all, we're, we're, first of all, as the Catechism says, we're dependent on God. As, if, if God stopped thinking about us, we, we, would, we would 
disintegrate. If God stopped loving us, we would be no more. We are totally dependent on him and subject to the laws of creation and the moral norms that govern the use of our freedoms. You know, we, we, we abuse that when we sin, obviously. And the devil would love us to believe that we have no dependency on God. That the world will give us all that we need. So in paragraph 397, our catechism says, Man, tempted by the devil, let his trust in his creator die in his heart, and, abusing his freedom, disobeyed God's command. This is what man's first sin consisted of. All subsequent sin would be disobedience toward God and a lack of trust in his goodness. You know, as, as a result of that, we've talked about this often, you know, we have in our nature, which is a fallen nature, that tendency, that leaning towards sin, concupiscence. Life is a constant struggle to right the ship, to, to, to pull in the opposite direction of that tendency to sin and rather live a life that is always tending to good and to live a good, holy life. It's a struggle, isn't it? And you see, the devil knows our vulnerabilities, he knows our weaknesses, and he knows exactly where to come at us and when and how. So we have to acknowledge that, number one, we are of a fallen nature as a result of the uh, tendency to sin as, and as a result of our parents, our first parents' sin and the remnants of original sin, although the sin itself was washed away in the waters of baptism, we still have the tendency to sin. And because of we're all individuals and with different characteristics and flaws and weaknesses, the devil knows them. And he will do his best to work on those weaknesses and nurture them and, and work on us to get us to sin, to reject God, to reject God's love, to reject uh, the, the, the um, uh, laws of God, the moral norms that, that govern the use of our freedom. So we have to be aware as well <laughs> so we know how to fight. You know, when you stop and, and really stop and think about what a beautiful gift the sacrament of reconciliation is that our Lord has left us and gives us through his priests who are acting in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, that we can go and repent. We can go and, and make contrition uh, for our failings and our failures and our acknowledgement of our sin before God. We're not acknowledging our sin before a mere man in the confessional, that man is in persona Christi, in the, in the person of Christ. It is Jesus to whom we make confession. It is Jesus who absolves us of our sins in that great and beautiful sacrament. The devil hates that. He hates that. He hates the fact that we, we repent. 
and we ask for forgiveness. We seek God's mercy. See, the devil couldn't do that. They had one choice, and they made it. Satan and the third of the angels who were cast out of heaven. They had one, one choice to love or reject God, and they rejected God. Non serviat. I will not serve, Satan said. And the third of the angels followed him. You and I, we have the great gift of this life and the great gift of the sacraments, and especially in this case, the sacrament of confession, to be able to go to Jesus, to the Lord, and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I have sinned. These are my sins. And to hear the words of absolution when Father in the person of Christ says, I absolve you. Not Father who absolves us, but Christ himself absolves us of those sins. Because the battle is real. Because the, the fallen nature that we possess is a struggle throughout this life. Even the great saints, even the great saints, except for our Blessed Mother, who was born without the stain of original sin. But everybody else, every great saint who walked this planet was a sinner. Just like you and me, who worked on personal sanctification, who worked on living a life of heroic virtue and holiness, and it wasn't easy. Not easy for any human being because of our concupiscence and because of the action of the devil in our lives and the desire that the devil has to draw us away from God's love. He'd rather we prefer prefer ourself to God. He'd rather that we make ourselves God, just like Satan Uh, um, tempted Adam and Eve. You will be like gods if you do this. And that's not to frighten us. It's not something created by the church to scare us. It's a reality to make us aware of this. And in paragraph 398, it says, "In, in that sin... Man preferred himself to God and by that very act scorned him. He chose himself over and against God, against the requirements of his creaturely status, and therefore against his own good. Constituted in a state of holiness, man was destined to be fully divinized by God in glory. Seduced by the devil, he wanted to be like God, but without God, before God, and not in accordance with God. You can't have it, obviously, that way. But you see, that's what sin does. Sin convinces us it's all about me. And, you know, we see that in, 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 in so many ways in our present society. You know, I remember it began back, at, back in the 60s, you know, the me generation. It's all about me. Me first, I, me, mine. But that's the result of the the temptation of Satan to draw us away from God and, and, and to choose ourselves over God and against God. 
We are creatures. And, and God created us to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this life so that we can be happy with him forever in the next. And with that in mind, we should live this life knowing what our ultimate destination is, why we're here, why God created us in the first place. And as we're, we, we find ourselves being drawn toward God and the things that are holy, we feel that tug and that pull by the enemy behind us trying to stop us, trying to draw us away. You know, my fear now, especially with the, um, uh, the churches, you know, there not being the requirement uh, to attend Mass on Sundays, um, that people will get out of, I don't want to say habit, but feel, well, if I didn't have to go then, why do I have to go now? It's a, it's a trick. It's a lie of the devil. But we pray soon in one day that they, we will be required to go to Mass on Sundays and Holy Days as we did before. We don't want to fall prey to the, the devil's temptation that it doesn't make any difference. It does matter. It makes a difference. And we shouldn't fall into that. Okay, I hear that. We've got to go. Ah. All right, well, tomorrow, Friday, Cheryl will be here with me for two hours, Friday Live. Uh, can't believe it's already Friday, but it is. God willing, we'll get there. Uh, hope you will join us at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Until then, have a blessed, happy, holy, and rest of your day. Thanks for being here with me today. My name is Jim Manfredonia. God love you, and God bless you. Oh, uh-huh.